about four years ago, I think we started attending the church here. And one of the things that Pastor Frankie did at the beginning of the year, I remember it distinctly, he would, he would put or, or there would be a list of words at the end of, of the service. And he said, pick out a word that's meaningful to you, that, that strikes you, that, that you might need to work on in your life. And so we did that and, and I've continued to do that every year. I'll pick out a word that I want to work on in my life. And, and so I got to a place where I started working on the fruits of the Spirit. So each year, I would pick out one of the fruits of the Spirit, and I'll begin to work on that in terms of, I want my life to be, I want to be more kind. So I worked on that for one year, consciously making an effort to be a kind person, to be a gentle person. And so the fruits of the Spirit, and so this year I started working on peace. And um, I left my Bible at the house, but thanks to Celebration's app, I can't tell you how to get there, but I do have it, um, Galatians 5.22. Do what? Oh, there we go. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. So, the fruits of the Spirit. So, I began working on that, and, and I thought, this time, at this time I speak, you know, I'm going to speak on the thing I'm working on in my own life, and that's peace. And I thought, I've studied on peace, and I thought, you know, there's some good things that I can say about peace and, and give us a... Uh, sort of a one, two, three explanation of how to have peace, how to be peaceful, how to live a peaceful life. And I decided I was going to speak on peace, I think it was probably March, the first part of March. So March 6th, I think, is a Monday, was a Monday, and I drove into my office and I opened the door and I walked in to see, to slosh through water on the carpet all through my office. It seemed to storm the weekend. That weekend had pulled part of the roof up in the office suite next to us, damaged that, and had moved over into us. And that was something. That was all right. I said, well, okay. And so we began to call and get no help from insurance at that point, from home office, from the landlord. It just seemed to be a struggle on and on and on. And so the end of, the, the, of that story is that I'm out of an office. They've completely gutted my office. I'm working off of a little laptop and, you know, it's, that's a first world problem. I get it. Uh, I'm working off of a laptop, and my office manager is working in a satellite office somewhere else, and we're, we're trying to communicate, and it, it's not a real peaceful situation for us right now. And we've been out of the office a couple of weeks, and it looks like we've got a couple of weeks more to go. 
uh, before we'll be back in our, in our home office. So anyway, that was Monday. So Tuesday, I go, okay, and I head back in to see what can be done, and in the middle of I-45, my truck dies. It just, all of a sudden, it just stops, and I'm going, I'm going, what is going on? You know, it's just, so I'm gliding at I-45 at about 6.30 in the morning, and now I'm trying, I'm in the left lane, of course, and I'm trying now to get over, and if you, you can imagine what it might be like as your car is slowing down, trying to get over in front of people and get off the freeway. Well, I finally got off the freeway, I started it up, went off, it died again, and so I limped back home, and I took it in to have it looked at, and some rodent had made a nest in the air intake. Now, I don't know how it got there, we, we do live in Willis, but I don't know how a rodent got in Y'all, anyway, that's a little joke, but uh, I don't know how that, but there was foam and hay and, and all kinds of stuff that we don't have around our house. I have no idea. But about $400 later, my truck's running again. So I go back in to work on Wednesday, and this is, the, this is so crazy, but it's, it's, it's the truth. Wednesday, I get an email from Teresa. Her computer's crashed. And she's lost a week's worth of work in graphics design. She's been on the phone with all of the tech people trying to recover it to no avail. Then, so then it's either Thursday or Friday, my son calls me. And he says, hey, Dad, you'll never guess what happened. Now, he's changed the oil in his car for about 15 years. He, that's what, he just likes doing that. He does it. He said, okay. So I go to drain the oil in Misty, his wife's car, and he says, I pull the drain plug, but I forget to pull the stopper out of the tub that the oil goes into. So now I've got oil running and splashing, and I'm trying to reach in and undo it in hot oil and get that thing open. He says, I finally got it open, and that's good. He says, but I put the oil in, and I forget to put the drain plug in. So I've got he buys royal purple oil, which is expensive oil. And he says, so I drive the car out and I notice that oil is, and I look and I, I've got five and a half quarts of oil on the garage floor. And uh, so we were kind of talking, we were, you know, it'll be good when this week's over <laughs> and we can go back to church on Sunday and start fresh. And and, and so, and, and a lot of you I know are saying, hey, that's, that's, that's the way it is. Sounds like uh, life to me and uh, sounds like a wonderful time. Uh, I know you've all had experiences like that, similar and even worse. But, and then if I were to ask you, with that sort of as a backdrop, if I were to ask you, do you believe in God? I know you would say, of course I do. And if I were at to ask you, do you know God? You would say, yes. My guess is that you would say, yes, I know God. And I wish I knew him a little bit more. And if I were to ask you, though, this question, do you have a deep, consistent, abiding sense of peace? You might reply like I do sometimes. I wish I did. 
but sometimes I don't. You know, it's interesting, in the Old Testament, I picked a scripture out. I didn't read it at the beginning. Isaiah 26, 3 and 4. It says, You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast, fixed on thee. Trust in the Lord always, for the Lord God is the eternal rock. You know, it's, it's interesting that in the Old Testament, the meaning of peace and salvation are almost synonymous. That if I can have a sense of peace, that brings a sense of salvation to God or I am saved to God. And then, but we live in such a world of anxiety, it's almost ridiculous. It's crazy. Even our children, I think they, they're having a star testing going on this week. Who, who's anybody, any children stressed out about that? You know, I mean, that not, it's like, why do you have to tell the kids, hey, you got to do good or you're going to fail? No, it's like, they're, they're, they've, on the news, they've talked about how kids are so anxious and there's so much anxiety. They're afraid that if they don't do well, they won't be able to go to the next grade. And then it's, it's like, then there's others for a lot of times. It's, you know, I'm afraid in our, in our life group. Don't tell anybody in our life group. But I have this anxiety that, that I'm going to eat the wrong thing and someone's going to um, say, ah, you shouldn't be eating that. And it just on our way over, had a root beer float. So I don't know. You know, that's, see, even saying that, you know, 10 years ago, who would care? But, but now I say that and you all go, whoa. A root beer float. Okay, eat this, don't eat that. You know, coffee. They have a research, they have research every year. Sometimes coffee's good for you. Well, the next year they come out research, no coffee's bad for you. No, coffee's good. I don't know if you've noticed it, but you pay attention to that over the years, and you'll see that sometimes it's good, sometimes it's not. And then how to lay your baby down. You know, that's another peace. It's like you lay them on their stomach with their head. No, you don't do that. You lay them on their side. No, you lay them on their back. No, it seems to me now, if I'm, if I'm correct, I, I may not be because it may be different. Now you have to lay your baby in their crib with nothing, no comfort, no blanket, no pacifier, just an empty, hard bed laid on their back, staring straight into space for fear you might break the baby rules of how to bring comfort to your child. We, it's, it's crazy almost how much anxiety and how much restlessness there is. Kids can't go to sleep at night without something on their head. Making noise. You notice that? Does that resonate with you? The difficulty is that most of us, there's this great discrepancy between what we believe and how we feel and think and act and live. We may be confident that we're going to live forever. 
We may be confident in who uh, our Lord Jesus Christ is, but are we getting through a daily life with a true sense of peace? In some of the reading and research, I came across a peace inventory. I've got 17 minutes. You know, I may not get through this, but I tell you what, God will get through to you and to me tonight because God wants to bring peace to your life in this restless, anxious world. And there's really only one way to do that. I'm skipping ahead. Do you know we cannot produce peace on our own? There's not enough work, not enough things, not enough actions we can take to give our lives peace. We can only receive the peace of God. And there's a few ways in which we can do that, and we'll talk about that in a minute, but there's a peace inventory. I want you to take it. You can answer the questions, four possible answers. Never, seldom, frequently, consistently. Okay, so the first question is, and you can write this, it doesn't matter, Really, it's just for you. Do you have peace of mind? In that right at this moment, can you say that your mind is at peace? Is your mind controlled by the Spirit of God? Or is it filled with a jumble of unforgiven memories, unresolved plans, frustrating disappointments? Do you have peace of mind? Never, seldom, frequently or consistently. The next question, are your feelings at peace? You know, feelings do matter. How we feel affects how we live and how we relate to others. And do you feel a sense of peace right now? Are you free from some smoldering anger, some nagging fears, some frustration? Do you have peace in your feelings. Never, seldom, frequently, consistently. How about this one? Do you have a sense of peace about your desires? Do you know where God is taking you? Do you know where you're going? Or is there a big question mark? And do you trust in his daily guidance? Do you have peace about your desires? Never, seldom, Frequently, consistently. Now, are you at peace with others? Relationships with people have a lot to do with how you experience peace. Do you let others rob you of inner satisfaction and inner peace? Are you at peace with others? Never, seldom, frequently, consistently. And what about circumstances? Do you allow circumstances to disrupt your ability to be at peace? Do you remain calm in the face of trouble? Never, seldom, frequently, consistently. And finally, is your body at peace? Are you strained by stress, agitation, nervousness? Or are you free from tension, churning stomach, Tight muscles. Now I'm hitting it right where it, where it really counts, aren't I? Tight muscles, high blood pressure. Do you have a sense of calmness in your body? Never, seldom, 
frequently, consistently. You know, I want you to note that this peace inventory includes every aspect of who we are, our mind, will, emotion, spirit, body. That's who we are, all wrapped into one. True peace is complete wholeness. It's salvation. It's saving us from those nagging, frustrating moments to a complete wholeness and peace with God. Peace and salvation are almost synonymous. And then the question becomes, okay, how do I live in this pervasive peace? I want it, but I don't always have it. So how do I live in this peaceful atmosphere that we all know exists somewhere and we all experience it sometimes? How do I experience it more or all the time? This past weekend, I spent hours out on Lake Conroe watching professional fishermen fish. Now, for some of you who don't appreciate the art of fishing, it was bass fishing. Bass fishing is slow. Some of the professionals said they only got five bites an entire day of nine hours out on the lake. And they might have brought in three fish. So bass fishing is fairly slow in the activity, oftentimes. It's almost like watching paint dry for some people. And so if you can imagine I was watching somebody fish To some of you, it may seem like he was watching somebody watch paint dry. But as I was watching, the wind was blowing about 15 to 20 miles an hour. The boat was doing this, and I was trying to hold it steady while I was watching somebody rock and fish at the same time. And I saw an eagle. And an eagle took off from the forest, and it And there are two things. One came to mind and one thing I noticed. I noticed that this eagle, it was was fighting. It was flying against the wind. But the other, and it was moving its wings hard and fast. But the interesting thing is, it wasn't flying like other birds straight. It was flying and it was moving higher. And then I had the thought from the scripture in Proverbs that it's too amazing for us to know the way of an eagle in the air. You know what storms do for eagles? Eagles don't just lay around and find a gaggle of other birds or hide in a cave or sit on a rock and cower as the rain comes down. Eagles take off and they fly and they fly high and higher and higher because they want to get above the storm, above the fray, because there they can glide and they can see further and they can know more the higher you get. This eagle was moving up. Eagles don't sit around and watch news all day long and get frustrated about what's going on in the world. Eagles don't make negative comments all day long about what's going on on their Facebook page and and how horrible the world is. 
They rise above it. We as Christians can take a wonderful example from the flight of eagles and rise above the fray and the agitation and the frustration of this world that we live in right now. That's when we begin to find peace. When we begin to say, okay, God, I need your peace. I need your peace. True peace is knowing the presence of God. It's living with a confident faith, and it's experiencing joy in the depth of your heart. I've got about 10 minutes, nine minutes, to talk quickly about three things. This is the salvation of Jesus Christ. This is what it does for us. True peace cannot be broken by life's storms. It cannot be destroyed by rodents, floods, computer crashes, or oil spills. The peace of God actually grows deeper and stronger with the challenges of life. If you take anything with you tonight, take that, that the peace of God penetrates deeper. It makes you stronger. It grows more as the challenges of life seem to come against you. Paul talked about that peace when he said it passes all understanding. Peter talked about the peace when he said it, the multiplied peace to early Christians. In each case, this divine peace was something different than the kind of peace we sometimes want to create on our own. The Bible is clear, we can't make it, we can only receive it. Three ways. Quickly, I'll tell you. I believe. You have to live a God-centered life. You have to live a God-centered life. It's like the earth rotates around the sun. It's like the hub of a wheel and the spokes. You cannot be at the center. God has to be at the center. Do you know when you put something else at the center of your life? That's idolatry. When you put yourself at the center of life, that's the very thing that God cast out of, out of heaven. So the reality is this. The only way to have a God-centered life and experience peace is to recognize that Jesus is Lord. And not only that Jesus is Lord, but he's the Lord of my life. And therein lies the rub. Allowing Jesus to be the Lord over every aspect of my life. We did some spring cleaning this past week, or yeah, this week. And one of the things we did, we had our carpets cleaned. So in order to prepare for the carpets, we grabbed the couches and we, it is amazing. Yeah, you know, don't you? It is amazing what you'll find under a couch or a chair that's been there for a while. So then when we, we, we got the carpets cleaned and Teresa's putting the furniture back, yeah, she's putting the furniture back because I'm out on the lake watching eagles and fishermen. So she puts the, I don't know how she, anyway, she put, put the couch back uh, where, it, where it belonged and, 
and she found like six doggy cookies in the cushion of the couch. Apparently, one of our Yorkies decided they wanted to put something away for a while just in case they might need it later on. <laughs> you know, that's kind of the way that we act sometimes in our faith. We sometimes put things back, hold off. God, I, I'm not sure I want God to go there, or I better save this, set this aside, just in case this Jesus thing isn't quite working out the way I want it to work out. I'm going to save something back, put something away. We can't live like that. God said, I want everything you know that you need to give me at that moment. That's the requirement, to give God everything we know at that moment to him. Now, he'll reveal other things, and he'll help us grow, but whenever we know something that we need to give to him, we need to give it to him right then and be done with it. So God's peace comes when we make him the true center of our lives. God's peace, it comes to us when we live a confident faith. I grew up somewhat introverted and shy, and I lacked confidence. You know, for a lot of people, and I went into the ministry, and do you know that a lot of pastors go into the ministry with a sense, with lacking confidence, with, an, with a little bit of feeling inferior? And they go into the ministry wanting to help people because part of this whole psychological deal is, I, I, is like, if I can help you feel better, then, I feel, then you're going to appreciate what I do, and, and I'm going to feel better about myself. Well, what happens, and we see it a lot in denominations, is that what happens then is that we begin to compromise the true belief system of what we have and we begin to water it down and have a gospel light just so that we can entertain and please people in order to be pleased ourselves. It happens even in Hollywood. Hollywood does this to us. They attempt to blur the lines of good and evil, what is biblically God-centered and what is not. The truth is, is that we are not inherently good we have a bent to sin and we need the saving grace of Jesus Christ the Bible says that once we accept Jesus Christ God here's here's the thing that can give us confidence is that the Bible promises that God will never leave us or forsake us the Bible promises that his favor is upon us the Bible promises that we can rest assured that he will protect us and keep us in his arms and in his, in his center of protection our entire lives. It's a promise from God. We can depend on it. That ought to give us confidence. Peace comes as we live a God-centered life. Peace comes as we live confidently in our faith. And once we do that, sometimes joy then begins to flow in us and through us. You know, it's disappointing sometimes to see Christians 
who are not joyful. It's like one of these reality shows that I've heard about that people watch. I, I, we don't watch them, I know. But uh, one of them's called Swamp People. And on that show, from what I'm told, is that there are a couple of father and son teams. And the fathers are continually berating the sons. You're not putting the bait on right. You're not shooting the alligator quick enough. You're not driving the boat correctly. What kind of joyful relationship is that between a father and a son? There are two things that I thought of as I, as I read about the swamp people. First, don't put unknown expectations on your children. It's a recipe for disaster. They should know better is not a good way to raise your children. And then second, take the example of Scripture and clearly define what it means to live a godly life and live a godly life and speak a godly life in front of your children. Joy comes by living a godly life defined from the Word of God. If our musicians can come and and play. You know, you can go to work tomorrow morning. The beauty is that you can go to work tomorrow morning or do whatever you do knowing that God is not going to let you keep him off your mind. He's not going to let you because you belong to him. You see, once that focus moves from living a me-centered life to living a God-centered life, it's like God, you are now the center of God's life. Every move that God makes is for you and it's for me. It's to lift us up. It's to bring us joy. We can't make it happen on our own. All we can do is receive it. Let's stand. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. And you know, the, the joy of life, I think, is not, or is, is really that no thing or person can take from you your ability to receive the peace of God. The stuff in life, may it might rage around you, but inside there's going to be a calm because Jesus lives there. You can pray in the midst of uncertainties, conflicts, turmoil, adversity. You can fix your mind on God, and therein lies the result of a life of enjoyment enjoyment, joy that is infused within you. You know, back to the peace inventory. If you answered seldom or never or 
to one or more of those questions, there might be an area that God wants to infuse peace and joy and love into your life. Healing of your body, that upset stomach, those tight muscles. Wouldn't it be peaceful if those went away? Or what about knowing the will of God, feeling a sense of direction for your life? Wouldn't that bring peace? What about a relationship that is not quite right? To have that healed, wouldn't that bring peace in your life? See, we can't make it happen on our own, but God can. God can bring peace. Peace is what this world needs. Peace is something that it starts with God infused in us and spread to the world. There's no official dismissal. The altar is open. If God is calling you in a certain area of your life, give it to God. Allow God to infuse His peace, His joy, His confidence in you so that when you leave here tonight, You'll stand firm in knowing that Jesus is the Lord of your life, that Jesus is the peace giver. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. Thank you.